Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview presented by BetMGM. I'm Stucky, and joining me today is just Mike. Calabrese. It is BJ's not here. He had a family obligation. So it's just the two of us. But I'm going to bring in a special guest in just a minute, which you don't even know about. But uh, what's going on, Mike? I really hope it's the play by play announcer from the Mississippi Valley State game on Monday night. There's not a harder working man in sports media. They only had one announcer, no color guy, no sideline reporter. He did it all. One of the the best games I've watched this year. It was nice to see Southern cover. That's a nine and a half win by 14. I think his name is Lee Hall. He's this man of mystery, difficult to track down on social media. But if you found him, I'm very excited for the remainder of this podcast. The comment section was closed, though. The comment section was closed, which was a letdown um, in years past, at least when it goes to Facebook. FAMU is all about the Facebook chat. So maybe we'll have to uh, switch over to the Rattlers for next Monday's play. Yep. All right. So we'll miss BJ this week. So I'll tell you, it's conference championship weekend. I know everyone's still in football mode. So we'll have guests most week. No guests this week as far as covering conferences, but we'll cover most of the power five and or power six, I should say. And then, you know, four or five of the other mid-majors. We talked with BJ last week about the Mountain West. Um, we're going to have rant of the week. We'll talk anything we'd like for Friday. And then we'll go through Saturday's card as always. But we're also, we're first going to start with and then something we've learned from this week but first we're going to start with our futures talk because i'm going to bring in we need a, we need three to do this so i'm going to bring in mr jim root from the three-man weave and to make it a true to, to, he's, he's used to rolling with three so we, we need a three-man weave of our own here to do our future segment so jim graciously has accepted the invite mr root tap it there's still a mystery we're mid-record now there's still a mystery of who sent me the three men weave shirt we have not cracked the case um of the three men weave with the big x through it i don't know what's going to come of that um but i'm glad to see that you're still alive and i'm and i've I've seen the other two so uh we don't have a murder mystery on our on our hands just yet but uh i'm I'm glad you weren't swayed i'm glad you didn't buy into that position that stance of hating the three men weave I, i i couldn't imagine having to have coworkers that are that much of haters. I mean, that would, that would be heartbreaking. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe there's like another thing that's going to come. Maybe it's like a, there's just, <laughs> more, there's more to this. And that was the first one, but um, exciting times for you. Missouri's like in, in the mix, right? It's been, been a while for, it's been a while since, uh, you know, Ricky Paulding days when you guys were really <laughs> relevant. Yeah. There's a weird sense going around the fan base. I've had a hard time figuring out what it is, but it's, I, I think I have to call it optimism. It, 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 it sometimes late in games, we actually have faith that there's going to be a basket scored, which has been a long time coming after Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa Martin and Kim Anderson. Those offenses were bleak. Now this team can score. They can't play any defense, but nope. uh, it's nice to cheer for your alma mater and have a little bit of hope. Yeah, it is. A, it's an electric offense. Um, obviously, you need, we saw how important Kobe Brown is. I think he was just held out 
for precautionary reasons, came back. Um, and that this is a different team with him and on the court. And yeah, they have firepower, man. They're they're an exciting team to watch. And the home crowds are great this year. And I think that uh, with Dennis Gates, they're only going to keep going like this. But um, we brought you in for our feature segment each Friday episode. We have myself, BJ, Mike, pick one future, make the case for it. And then everyone votes for the one that we are going to add. You obviously can't vote on your own. And since we don't have any good way of determining uh, if, if there's like a tie, I'm, I'm just I just pulled the seniority card and picked the one. I want, which usually ends up being my own, but um, Jim, since you are the guest of honor, I'm going to let you go first and present which future you think that we and or the listeners should consider. All right. I hope it is within the rules to go conference title and not just final four slash national championship. Sure. Uh, but I, I selected VCU plus 150 to win the a 10. I believe this is available at a couple different books I, I just think this is great value. They're minus 160, I think, in another book. They're currently in first, 7-1, and one, um, half game up on St. Louis. They're two games up on the loss column on Dayton, who is even with them in, in the odds I'm looking at, plus 150 here. And they've already beaten Dayton at Dayton. They play Dayton at home still. Uh, and they're now almost the highest-rated team in Ken Palm. They're close. They're nine spots behind Dayton. But uh, I think with the way Dayton's trending, now that Malachi Smith is back, there's a little bit of diciness there. Uh, St. Louis, the other prime contender at the top, but they lost Fred Thatch to a torn ACL. Yeah. They're still kind of figuring out how to right the ship there. Uh, that's the one catch here. VCU does play SLU twice, uh, but obviously get him home and away, and SLU is tied in the loss column. I just like the value here with the win over Dayton already, getting them one more time back home, and kind of the turbulence that, uh, that SLU is going through right now. Yeah, the couple questions that I have, because I would agree with you, I think that VCU is the best team. And, and they didn't have Bald. Like, if you look at their numbers with and without Ace Baldwin, um, who's one of the most uh, underrated and underappreciated guards in the country, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, it's a different team with him. They're trending up. And, you know, they have a – the one thing that would worry me about VCU is their shooting. Like, they're shooting 45% in A-10 play. Now they're holding teams to like 29, which is more sustainable with the way with their defense and their length. I don't think they're going to keep shooting 45%. But then again, I look at the rest of the A10, and this is early 2000, maybe going to go back to their Temple A10. Like I, this is the worst A10 I think I've ever seen. Like there's no there's no true dumpster fire. I was talking with uh, Hazelmetrics about this this morning. There's no true dumpster fire like a Fordham, which is like you know 320th, which we've seen in in some years. But the top of this conf, the top of this league, I think is the worst it's ever been. And the only question that I would have, and you kind of touched on it, is who the fuck is Dayton? Like I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I can't figure out Dayton and Illinois. Like Dayton has this, you know, early in the year, their guards who were really experienced were playing awful. They all, they all get hurt. They kind of reconfigure their offense and play with basically five forwards. Now their front court's really good, and they lost that VCU game because they didn't have guards to inbound the ball at the end. Um, but now they're, you know, their guards, Malachi Smith comes back and then they lose the GW, they lose the Rhode Island and it's just a mess. Like, so my only fear would be like, does Dayton with their front court, does, do they ever figure it out? And like, and how, how, like with their guards now healthy. And that would be my only question, but have you been able to figure out Dayton? Cause I cannot. Not at all. And I, I don't know if Dayton's figured out Dayton because they've had, I think one game where everybody was healthy. They finally got Smith and Elvis back, and then Blakeney was out this past game against Rhode Island. It's been a mess, just kind of a rotating cast of characters in the backcourt. The the I do have some concern that Dayton straightens it out and figures out the you know gets back to the level they were to start league play. But I like that VCU already has two games up on them, lost column and head to head on the road. That's enough that yeah, it, I'm I'm hoping that's enough that Dayton's kind of it, it might be too late for them to figure it out and catch VCU at this point. Yeah. Yeah, some very disappointing teams in the A10 this year. I mean, and and also uh, Richmond, who's been much better at home than the road. They're soft. I mean, but VCU won at Richmond already too. Um, yeah, just I mean, Loyola Chicago has been an absolute mess. Just the the A10 in general. St. Louis has been disappointing compared to expectations, as you mentioned. They met, met, they lost Thatch. So yeah, I don't I don't hate this one at all. Uh, Mike, any thoughts you have on the A10? 
and which is a one which is a one bid league right as of now there is zero chance this is more than one i mean vcu could potentially i think play themselves in like if they got to the a10 final and they stay hot right maybe they get they get they get in but this is looking like a one bid a10 do you have any thoughts there and then what do you what do you bring to the table yeah i agree on the a10 kind of being a mess this year as a saint joe's fan the fact that they probably should have got their fourth win in a row last night i think is indicative of how soft the middle is in the a10 at this point you know you could play your way into that four or five slot when you're saint joe's and i still don't think they have the consistency or overall quality to do so it's just the the overall quality in the league um i'm gonna go with a national championship pick here i'm surprised that it's still hanging out in the market the miami hurricanes i mean at this point they've lost two games this year by two points they got quality wins over uva nc state providence and syracuse and then when you look at the rest of their path the ACC, I don't think, is getting enough heat for just kind of being a, a mini dumpster fire of its own. The only ranked team they play the rest of the way is at Clemson, and I do think they're going to be in the in the game with an opportunity to leapfrog both Virginia and Clemson at the top of the ACC standings. As it stands right now, Bracket Matrix has them as about a five seed. If they can play their way into the four or three line at eighty to one, I think the value is too good to pass up. I love Wong and Omir, you know, the inside outside game. So I think it it won't require a multitude of things to go right for them to win the ACC regular season title. And I think they have the game to play, you know, three quality opponents in a row and win the ACC tournament. So with that being said at 80 to one, I think it's too much value to pass up. And if they are able to upset Clemson, I do think there's going to be kind of a market correction, correction probably into the 40 or 50 to one range. So this is probably the last time you're going to get a good number on the Canes. By the way, before we touch on Miami to bring your St. Joe's fan to we mentioned temple back in the 810 days to bring that full circle you have and you want to feel old like me lynn greer is now the point guard for st joe's and i remember lynn greer was awesome at temple as the point guard back in the early 2000s but jim let me throw it to you uh acc miami their ceiling i mean my, my my initial thoughts are like if you think this year and i've talked about this a lot i think that there's there's clearly no elite team um, maybe Alabama gets there, but uh, there's not a team where, you know, two or three teams where you're like, it's going to be them. And then it ends up being them or in the final four. I think this year, if, if there's 15 to 20 teams, you know, styles are going to make fights. It's going to come on to matchups, three point shoot. But if you're one of like the 15 to 20 best teams in the country, you're going to have a shot to get to the final four. And then I don't think anyone's going to be like completely overmatched. So the question is, do you think Miami has that ceiling um, and is there value in this number? Do you have any thoughts on the Canes? I like the ceiling, especially in postseason play. They kind of mirror another team I like that's much higher in the odds or, or, or lower, much worse odds, I guess, in, in Baylor. And it's like an elite offense with awesome guards and maybe a vulnerable defense. But Miami's been much better in two-point percentage defense than Baylor has. Omir's kind of helped take care of that. They're not tall, but he's really bulky and athletic. Gives them something in there. We saw the backcourt going to run last year, um, a team that, also struggled defensively. I just, I wonder, like we, we punched holes in Purdue a lot last year because of their defense. And I've been trying to sell myself on Baylor this year, but then the defense stuff comes back up and I was you know railing against it last year with Purdue. So I, I have some concerns with rebounding and interior defense as they get deeper into the tournament, but you've got multiple guys that can create their own shot. Jordan Miller might be like one of the best role players in the entire country pack has been an inferno lately so i buy it i really like guard play in postseason and miami's got that in spades all right i'm gonna go with mine and <clears throat> screw waiting screw the price this is my only preseason future my horse the team i said is gonna win it all from last april when i was uh sending tweets to jim about buying more futures and that's tcu you can get there's 50 to one out there and i just don't see it go look i mean we were like maybe they lose to kansas and then Maybe it goes, I just don't see it going much lower. The defense is there. The athleticism is there. The transition, they it doesn't matter who they play. Like, look what they did to Oklahoma. It doesn't let anyone get in transition and it is a snail. They're just going to find ways to get out in transition and attack. They're also not too three-point reliant, um, which I love in, in the tournament. Like, they have great guards who could take over what you need. Like, Miles can take over. He's the best in the country in transition, but he can get you that big shot. And they're going to, they're just going to crush the offensive glass. Like their three point percentage is not as important as other teams because they're going to grab every single offensive rebound with Lampy when he comes in company, well-coached, experienced, athletic, they can defend. And uh, I think this team's making it, I mean, I said they're going to win it all. So 
I want to get them into uh, our portfolio. So I'm going TCU 50 to one. Um, Jim, I know. Well, let's vote first. So everyone's just going to hold up um, one finger for VCU A10. Two, and you can't vote for your own. Two fingers for Miami. Three for TCU. All right, on the count on three, two, one, go. All right, we're growing with TCU. Um, this is why you brought me on. I know you brought me on to vote for TCU. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, so Jim, share your thoughts on TCU, your love for TCU. So it's not just me on this podcast every week clamoring for why I love the frogs. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned the fact that they defend, but also lead the country in fast break points. I do have some concern about teams reliant on transition in the tournament. I, like I, think, you know, we I saw, think it's more of a half court style. Yeah, yeah, Arizona and and Gonzaga ran into that last year after dominating in the open floor, but they do have guards that can take over, and, and I think that's rather relevant. Um, and the price you're getting at fifty to one, like if you take out those first three buy games that they played and were totally underperforming, didn't have buy yet. You filter Bart Torvik for that. They're fourth in the country. Fourth. You're getting, you could call them a top five team. I know those I games matter in air quotes, uh, but they don't really because it wasn't the full team. We've seen them look way better since then. You get a top five team at 50 to one. I don't hate that. And they could really get up into a high seed ceiling because the big 12 just has win opportunity after win opportunity. Yeah. I, uh, there's like, and look, Lampkin's going to be fine. That was a concern of mine. Um, you've had Micah Peavy, who's been hurt, and he just returned. An X factor here, like, which could even increase their ceiling anymore, is is Wells. If, I mean, we saw his game against Kansas. Um, if he can play like that on a more consistent basis, man, um, they become super dangerous. Like, yes, the half-court stuff, it, it does bother me a little bit because – they are just so great in transition. So their offensive numbers are buoyed by that. But, and you know, they, their weakness is three point shooting. But like I said, like they could, in a half court fight, they're just going to battle you on the boards and then bully you just athletically. It's very, it's like, I think that their floor is so low. Like it's a team that I don't think can get upset early. And then you have a guy like miles who can take over and they're so well coached, but they have that guy at the end of games. It's like, all right, you need a bucket. I'm going to get the bucket. And if I miss the bucket, someone's probably going to grab it and put it back um for an easy two so uh tcu mike any thoughts you want to add on on the horn frogs who i do have as a top five, power rate as a top five team right now yeah i agree with your assessment about three-point shooting that's the thing that concerns me the most with some of the teams that are at the top of the ap poll right now you saw alabama this week against mississippi state their starters shot one for 16 from three so they were lucky they were playing one of the worst teams in the sec because if they were playing a mizzou or they were playing somebody kind of in the middle trying to work their way up the ladder they would have lost so that I still have that concern with teams like Alabama, whereas to your point, it's just a bonus if some of the threes start falling for TCU. And I'm, I am getting a little bit more comfortable with their half-court game. It's certainly not a strength, but I don't think it's enough of a weakness to talk me off of them, particularly at 50-1. to Because you look around the market, there's some places hanging 17-20-1 to on this team. So there's huge disparity between the books. So I think it's time to pounce. Yeah, I would go down to like 35-40-ish. I mean, I have some 75-80 and 80 from before the season, but I think that they're a top five team, certainly capable of winning it all. I actually think that the, it's interesting you mentioned that Alabama game. I mean, Alabama also went five of 28 from three and won the game. And then if you go back, so I think it was like another notch for Alabama. Like obviously you're going to have like three or four games a year where you just are bad. Right. And you just aren't great. And they've won a ton in a row. You kind of get fat and happy, but you, you, know, you go back to that Houston game, which we talked about Alabama was just seven of 23. They also missed 12 free throws, still one at Houston. So like they're they're proving that this isn't a team that's just we chuck up 43s. If we make them, we're going to beat anybody. If we miss them, we can't beat anybody. Just that I think that all these wins that Alabama continues to rack up on the road or when they don't play well against elite teams on the road, they're becoming that team that you can uh, trust. Now, they might be overvalued from a point spread perspective over the next few games. But as far as like trusting them come March, they're right up there. All right, Jim, we've taken up enough of your time. Um I, I did want to just see you, but I knew also that you would uh, probably go for TCU. So I appreciate you obliging, but thanks for joining us, brother. And uh, I'll see you soon for Big Bets on Campus Live, which will be Saturday mornings. Yes, sir. Happy to stop in. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks for having me stuck. See you. All right, brother. Have a good one. Good luck. All right. Good stuff there for our Futures Friday. So we got TCU and UConn as our current Futures portfolio. 
which I love. All right, let's let's talk what we've learned from the week that was. Um, I'll kick things off. I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna go first rant of the week. I hope sometimes these feel like they come in stretches for college basketball. I hope I'm not starting one. Now I I haven't had a bad streak of like bad beats. I've been lucky. Knock on wood. Pray to the regression gods for since football started. So maybe I'm overdue. But last night, watching within like a 10 minute stretch, I had UCF plus 10 and plus 10 and a half. They lose Hendricks, who, by the way, is a stud. He might be their best mm-hmm. player on both sides of the ball already. Um, they lose him to a fourth foul, 16 to go, when Houston basically just runs into him. Awful call. Dawkins gets teed up, as he should have. Terrible call. Changes the whole game. Dawkins was needed in that game. Excuse me, Hendricks was needed in that game. Then late, there's a flagrant late, and Houston's up 11, and UCF misses uh, three shots, a bunny, and it was brutal. And then I have Sanford. Uh, I Sanford, did you go money line or? Plus four and a half, plus four and a half. And they're leading most of the second half, even though they're in ridiculous foul trouble the whole game. Two of their best players found the first minute overtime. Furman hits a contested three to force overtime. The cover was basically never in doubt until it got to overtime. Then there's 30 seconds left. Sanford's at the line down one, shooting three free throws, make one of three. Furman comes down, hits a long three to go up three, miss, foul, miss, foul, and seven. Brutal. So just you, but you got to move on. College basketball is like that sometimes. I, you're gonna have stretches where those happen a lot. You just have to withstand them. Don't chase all that stuff. Um, but my my biggest takeaway from the week is I think Stanford is clearly the best team in the SoCon, and they got Quez Glover back recently, who's only gonna get better. And Furman just look. They have, is that team ever gonna make the tournament? I, I would have said before the year Furman's making the tournament with Bothwell and Slauson. They've come so close for so many years. But there's something still missing from that team. I think that they're just a little too soft. And give me Sanford in a rematch if they meet in the tournament. And then yeah, I also have to mention, uh, I mean, Sanford just has guys that can score, that can shoot, and they're well coached as well. And they got they have good depth. I also should mention um, Chattanooga, who won it last year, who will uh, hit that half-court shot to devastate Furman. They're done. They're done. Uh, they lost Jake Stevens. Um, they're, they're, uh, VMI seven transfer. footer. Yeah. Yeah. The VMI who's everything to them. He's also shooting 42% from three and they lost him. Um, and since, I mean, they lost to East Tennessee state, who's the weirdest team in the world. East Tennessee state is, they lost an overtime to Mercer mm-hmm. last night, but they're oh and eight at home and like somehow, and like they're decent on the right. It's a, East Tennessee state's a bizarre team. But um, they lost to East Tennessee State by 16. They were double-digit favorites. Then they lost to Wofford, to Wofford last. Uh, they lost to Wofford last yesterday. They're just a different team without Stevens. They're going to miss him bad. So when I look at the SoCon um, coming up here, um, look, Greensboro is a tough team. They're they're going to just they're going to make it difficult no matter who they play. But when I look through, it's a pretty down year across the SoCon. And I think at the end of the day, Sanford is going to come out uh, victorious and into March. And they'll be a really fun team to watch. Logan Dye is extremely underrated. Uh, Jermaine Marshall. And, you know, they have Bubba Parham at guard. It's just a deep team, a lot of talented shot makers. And then uh, I think that the X factor is, uh, of course, Quez Glover, who he missed. For those not familiar with him, he's a, a transfer from Florida. He missed, I think, like 10 or 11 games. Um recently came back and he's only going to get better and he's, he's a bucket. And uh, so I love Sanford for the SOCOM. Keep that in mind, but we'll be previewing all the uh, conference tournaments, obviously. So yeah, rant last night was brutal. Then I had, luckily I had Texas A&M, which was easy, but two loss. It felt like it should have been a three and oh night or at least two and one. And then you have the three plays and you go one and two because of those. Ah, but that's college basketball. Think of it. It's like six months of this. There's going to have nights, weeks, a month. Sometimes you can have a season like that. Move on. Let it go, bitch a little bit, and then forget about it. Mike, how about you? Do you, you, you have a rant this week, and then anything that you learned from uh, the week of college basketball? So, so I have a rant. I, we all do this because there's, you know, close to 360 teams. You can't watch every team, so sometimes you're going to third party sources that you trust to try to get a feel, you know, a vibe. Maybe there's a storyline. DePaul got healthier. DePaul was right on the cusp. Here we go. I'm going to take him against Georgetown, laying a ton of points. By the way, Georgetown. 
There's a story on ESPN.com right now. This gives a, a feel for how far the program has fallen. Basically giving them a shout out for winning their first Big East game since March 2nd of last year in the regular season. And when you click on Georgetown's hyperlink, it takes you to the women's basketball team. That, that's how relevant Georgetown's men's hoops team is at this point. But they beat DePaul outright. 29-game Big East losing streak over. Sorry, buddy. I was on Georgetown, by the way. Extend Ewing. Okay. Oh, my Lord. 41 three throws, three starters for DePaul get, you know, yeah, it was crazy. five fouls and kicked in that game. 13 offensive boards given up. So shame on me. I hadn't watched DePaul in like two and a half months. So I was like, okay, I'll buy in on this narrative. Lay the points against a sinking ship with a lame duck head coach. No, not not so much. That, that I had it tied up in a few parlays. So money management was also not my strong suit in, in that particular night. I don't know necessarily if it's a rant against them. I think it's a rant against myself where it's like, let's just stick with the teams and the conferences we know that we have a stronger feel for. And we'll get into that with uh, some of our plays on Friday and Saturday. Georgetown has so much more talent. I mean, they are poorly coached and they, they fall apart at the end of every game. Luckily, there was all those foul calls. They, are, they tried to against they were up by like 12 with a minute to go and it got dicey. But yeah, they are. They haven't. I mean, they, they have a lot. They have some talent. Like they haven't played a lot. They haven't had a lot of games with both Murray and Spears in the backcourt. You have Wahab, and it, there's some talent on that team. A cook, a cook. He can he could do some things on the defensive end. But they're just poorly coached, and they they fall apart, man. I mean, the last eight minutes of games, they are so bad. Um, but DePaul be interesting. Maybe they'll have some value against the Marquette wagon this weekend um, because they are getting. Healthier for sure. By the way, I'm looking at TCU. What's the best? Back to the TCU futures. I think I'm. I want to. I don't want to. I want to ride with the people with with like the most accessible. The most accessible number I'm seeing out there right now is forty to one for TCU, which you already mentioned. You'd play it down to forty to one. Yeah. Okay. Let's call it forty <clears throat> to one then. Um, I'd go down. Like I, I'm way way high on TCU, and um, these aren't like a lot of times with college basketball futures. You never want to have too much, like especially in the tournament. You don't, you don't have too much out invested, and part of it is you know, no one that's. I mean, you're not doing this. You're not betting college basketball national title futures professionally, or like part of it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, and I, I, we, I want TCU in there. Um, they are my pick to win it all. So yeah, let's we'll call it forty to one, which you can find out there. Um, you can find a little better out there if you search other places far and wide. So just throwing that out there. But all right, let's go to Friday night lights on the hard court. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday night lights. Let me see if we have any lines. I know we're recording this at 3.30. I can get this started. Uh, this yeah, line out there, uh, St. Louis laying a point at Davidson. I like the Billikens a lot in general. They got four starters averaging double digits. I love Yuri Collins. He's one of the best facilitators in the whole country. And we talk about consistency of offensive performance. The fact that he sets them up so well in the half court, I just have a lot of faith in them. And then when you look at their performance on the road this year, five point loss to Auburn, that's a quality loss, in my opinion. You know, they weren't bullied off the court there. And I know that the A10, we got into it in depth, um, you know, just, just recently here in the pod. But they beat George Washington by seven. George Washington, at this point, is a top three team in the A-10. They beat him at their place. So I'm not afraid of Davidson's home court advantage in this one. I think it's fairly priced at essentially a pick em. I would play this up to SLU minus three. Um, so that's my top play for Friday night. Yeah, I'm going to go... Let's. I'm gonna go with Kent State. Looks like there's Ooh, a yeah. Kent State. I liked. Was there is there a number that popped yet? Minus eleven. Yeah. Uh, I think there's this blowout written all over. Kent State's coming mm-hmm. off a bad, bad mm-hmm. loss at uh, Northern Illinois. They lost by double digits. They were laying twelve and a half. Meanwhile, you have Buffalo, who is coming off an upset win at Ball State. They were catching five and a half, one by twenty six. So a little buy low, sell high here, and. What does, if you look at what, you know, and I'm really high on this Kent State team. I think that they just, you know, it happens. You lay an egg in, in conference on the road uh, in a game where, you know, Northern Illinois hit 13 of 28 from three, went 17 of 20 from the line. I think you get a fully focused effort here from an extremely experienced team. And Buffalo, if you look at them, they, they want to run. They want to get out in transition. I think they're top 10 in tempo. If they can't get out and run, you can really slow them down. Kent State, excellent, excellent transition defense in the 97th percentile per synergy. And then their half-court defense is elite. 
And if they're locked in, which you would expect at home after a bad loss, then this is boom. This is a spot where they're going to lock down Buffalo, angry Kent State home performance. So I think this turns into a blowout. I'd take this up to uh, minus 12. Yeah, that was my lean there as well. So I, I think that's that's good vibes for us to have those as the, the two picks. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana. Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, good stuff. Let's uh, move on to Saturday's slate. Obviously, no lines out here, but we can project uh come pretty close to what we expect them to be and we'll just talk about a few of the spots that we have circled mike let me throw it to you first what's uh first game you want to mention so i'm keeping both of these plays in the top 25 but a mid-major popping here is charleston just going to run the table in the caa i don't think so and i'm trying to identify a team that could potentially knock them off outright and i think hofster is one of those teams that could do it the flying dutchman are 37th nationally effective field goal percentage they don't foul much at all and when you look at what charleston does yes they bomb away from three their top 10 and three-point attempts per game but they're 197th in accuracy from three-point range so a lot of what they do is required on getting to the foul stripe they get 15 points per game there so the fact that hofster is not going to give that to them willingly i think is a big element Their backcourt in general with Estrada and Thomas, I think they can both heat up in a hurry. And I'm not sure they played their best basketball yet, at least in CAA play. So I'm trying to find a buy low moment for a team that could actually knock off Charleston. This is who I've circled. Really, against the spread, anything north of five points, I would go ahead and take the pride. And then from a money line perspective, anything north of plus 175. So I'm going to try to shoot my shot here get into the the upset mood with, you know, March not that far down the road. Um, what do you what are your thoughts on Hofstra at this point in the season? To me, a little bit, a little bit underwhelming. Yes, they had a, a real rough game against Towson about two weeks ago where they scored sub 50, but in general, they've been pretty consistent on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, then they they crushed UNC Wilmington, which was really impressive last Thursday, I believe. Um, they got Elon tonight, which is kind of like a trap. Elon is so bad. They should win that game. The problem I have with Hofstra, I mean, they're, and I think it is a good spot. They don't have a lot of size, um, so they're going to get crushed on the offensive glass here, which is a concern, and they don't have a lot of depth. So, but the good thing is, as you mentioned, they don't foul. Um, Neither does uh, Charleston much, but Charleston is deep, and then they play just this, um, you know, breakneck style, and they, they, they come in waves, and I think that they're, they're probably top, I would assume top 40 and, in Benjamin, it's a top 40 in pace. So will Hofstra wear down? Um, and can they kind of slow it down a little bit? Um, but I would tend to agree. There's there's a couple concerns matchup-wise that I have. But, you know, part of me, if the team that's not deep that plays Charleston, I would worry about them, you know, getting in foul trouble. But Hofstra, the, with their defensive style, they don't really get in foul trouble. And I, I would agree. I think this is the time probably to sell on Charleston, um, so yeah, I 
I have the Hofstra circled as well. On top of that, you look at the comps in, when Charleston's played a top four team in the CAA. They beat UNC Wilmington by two. They beat Towson by two in overtime. So, yes, they're one of the best stories going in college basketball, 20 in a row, you know, top 20 in the eight people, all this great stuff. But they've been they've been flirting with not a disaster, but they've been flirting with at least some losses here in conference play. So eventually I do think the hammer is going to fall. It's difficult to, you know, have such a good record in close games in conference. Yeah, it's a it's a high variance team. So like even if they have an all, I mean, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. So but uh, I would agree this is probably the right time. I'm going to go. Let's I'm going to go with a theme first. And so I'm going to make a I'm going to make a claim that. And this is just kind of an overarching thought for Saturday. We have the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And I think the Big 12 is by far the best mm-hmm. conference in college basketball, top to bottom. And I think that some of these bottom teams are really hurt by just the depth and just the night in and night out. And they're undervalued. So a team like Texas Tech, 0-8 in the Big 12. They're going up against LSU. Two teams free-falling, right? LSU has been, I mean... I think that if you look at the underlying metrics, Texas Tech has been very unlucky in some aspects. They did get, you know, they have, uh, yeah, AMAC didn't play for Texas Tech last game. I think there's a good chance he suits up here. But if you look at the underlying metrics on what LSU is doing on both ends of the floor, look at, they're, they're doing nothing well. There is nothing this team is doing well. And it's just, it was so telling to me with this LSU team, when they lost, they got embarrassed by Alabama. I mean, embarrassed. that's 106 to 66. Their next game, they're at home against Auburn. Team that's not great on the road. They lost by 18. Okay, let's get, we get Tennessee at home. We lose by 21. Okay, we're at Arkansas. We score 40 points and lose by 20. This team. Yeah, the, the, is... Arkansas, the Arkansas game to me, that's the white flag moment on the season. I mean, you can. Yeah. You can talk up these other teams. I know that Auburn has some some rough home away splits and Tennessee is obviously a top 15 team for most of the season. But Arkansas just does not have the the scoring punch or really the defensive focus in general to, to win by that much and to hold LSU that low. So I agree. I, I think this is a time when on paper, when the casual gambler is just looking at the win-loss record and record in conference play and say, okay, these are two dogs. If the big maple suits up for Texas Tech, I think he could have a big game. So that's something to monitor for sure. Yeah, and uh, also you just look. I mean, Texas Tech has not been great, but then this game I think will be right around a pick. I would assume uh, maybe Texas Tech a small favorite, but uh, you know from a matchup perspective, Texas Tech can force you into a lot of turnovers, which LSU will give you freely, willingly. And I also think that they'll dominate on the offensive glass, which you could which you could do against LSU as well. Coaching mismatch, and yeah, I think Texas Tech's going to be undervalued here going out of conference. So when you look at these, the bottom of the Big 12 versus the bottom of the SEC. So I'm going to go Texas Tech, and then I'll touch on a couple other of the Big 12 SEC themes in a sec, but I'll give you a chance to jump in. Yeah, let's just stick with this Big 12 SEC challenge. Um, It's a team you're probably not familiar with, uh, Texas Christian. Uh, They're laying 12 here against Mississippi State. And beyond, you know, the metrics being in love with the Horn Frogs, they're also just a great road team. They're four and one against the closing number on the road, covering by an average of eight points per game. They're up to 10th in Ken's, Ken Palm's adjusted defensive metric. And I think there's a little bit of the market maybe overcorrecting on Mississippi State giving Bama a good game. As I said, it wasn't that, you know, they were closing out and suffocating on the perimeter. It's that Bama's three-pointers just didn't fall. So they end up blowing a seven-point halftime lead and losing outright but covering I think Mississippi State is a dog, no pun intended, and I think TCU is going to absolutely wipe the floor with them in this game. They're going to get into their running game and just run them out of the arena. So I don't mind laying 12 in this spot. I'd probably go up to 15. Um, TCU in general, I think, is just you know multiple levels of class better than Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi State, they are pretty good in transition defense, but they're better in the half court, and they actually do let you – get out into transition. So I don't care who you are. You're not defending TCU in transition. Like you're just not, they're just, they're an NBA team in transition with the way that they can score. Um, Let's stick with, again, with this theme, I'm going to go, let's go with West Virginia against Auburn. So I think West Virginia, huge, two desperate teams at West Virginia, Texas tech game, West Virginia picks up the win on the road. And I think that they're, look, they're, what are they? Two and six in the Big Twelve? It's crazy. I think they're up in the top twenty in Kempom now. Team that's been close in a lot of games that hasn't come out, but I think that that win 
can really start a run for them. And this Auburn team, I still don't trust their – they're very erratic. Like, And they lost in the jungle last night. But I still don't trust their guards on the road. And if you look, one of the reasons I love Texas A&M last night – all right, if you look at Auburn, what can they not do, right? Or what do they struggle with? They let you get a ton of offensive rebounds. So they're bad on the defensive glass. Um, what else do they do? They foul a lot. And they turn the ball over too much with their erratic guards. So those are like the three. And then they t- they also take poor shots, especially on the road. But those are the three things. They'll turn the ball over. They'll let you get offensive rebounds. And then they foul too much. All right. And Texas A&M can do all those things well. West Virginia, number 11 in free throw attempts per field goal attempt. They get to the line a ton. Number 22 in offensive rebounding. And they're a top 40 team enforcing turnovers. Those are the three primary strengths of West Virginia at home with one of the best home court advantages. So, um, yeah, I think this is a good spot to back the Mountaineers. And it's just a great matchup for them, similar to Texas A&M. And uh, I'm going to trust the the ears here at home in Morgantown. What do you got? Well, my last one, I have a question for you in your backyard. What are your thoughts on Kansas, Kentucky, two teams that really need this win? This could be kind of uh, a defining season win for the Wildcats potentially turn things around in terms of their upside whereas Kansas they played hard in the final minutes against Baylor but I think overall disappointment in a game that I thought you know if Grady Dick had played well they were going to win outright he did just everybody else kind of you know fell on their sword they couldn't figure out how to score from the perimeter they had some weird turnovers so I'm a little bit concerned at this point when Jalen Wilson's playing at the level he's playing at and Grady Dick comes to play and they're still losing games to quality opponents. So I'm, I'm just interested in your overall vantage point on this, you know, big 12 sec game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I think that it, the correct spread should be right around a pick. I mean, I make Kentucky a small favorite here, but Kentucky's still, look, they beat Vandy shorthanded Vandy. They beat Texas A&M at home. They beat Georgia at home. They got that win over Tennessee, which I think is a good matchup, but you know, they've be, been beating some teams at the bottom. So again, I'm worried about this big 12 sec thing. And like, has Kentucky really figured it out? Now, Reeves has been him shooting well, is really big. And, and they're starting to figure things out. I don't know if they're all the way there yet. Desperate Kansas team off three straight losses. I mean, self off a loss like, is incredible against the spread. I do think it's an alarm that they, you know, they they get blown out by TCU after a loss. And then and after another loss, they, you know, they lose to Baylor. So it's tough. This game is very tough for me. I think it's a pure stay away. Um, I can make cases for both teams um, in in desperation mode and have a lot of respect for self. And there's, from an in-game coaching adjustment standpoint, Kansas is going to have a huge advantage here. Anything else Um, on the national scene that you're looking forward to watching, even if it's just, you know, to, to get a little more intel and color on some of these teams to maybe play them in the coming weeks? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go, let to, to round out the Big 12 SEC stuff, I'm going to bet, I'm probably going to bet Texas against Tennessee. So Tennessee, who I'm still not a believer in as, as far as where the market has them. I mean, look, teams are now shooting 21.6% from three. The record, I think we went over this, is 25.3 for a single season. If you look at unguarded shots, unguarded, they lead the country. Teams are shooting 25% from three on unguarded threes. The record for a single season is 25%. Opponents are shooting 25% on open threes against Tennessee. Now, as my esteemed colleague and friend Jim Brute had brought up on Twitter earlier today, the SEC can't shoot, though, which is contributing to part of this, right? Look at all the teams in the SEC that cannot shoot a lick. So there's some very poor shooting teams in the SEC. Still, there's still regression coming for them, but that's part of it. Like, there's not a lot of good shooting teams in the SEC. Now, Texas... 33, 34%, but they have shooters that will make open jumpers. Uh, even Sir Jabari Rice is only shooting like 30% from three. He's like a 34, 35% career three-point shooter. Carr's probably a little over his average, but I project this team to be right around like 35, like right around 100. It's like it's not an elite shooting team, but they have guys who will make threes. And again, this is the big 12 SEC gap that I think you're going to get value on Texas here mm-hmm. as a road dog. Um so, but we're going to learn a lot about the Tennessee defense and like, cause I think it's a lot of luck and then it's not, there's some sec offenses just are just slogs and they just can't score consistently, which is buoyed Tennessee's defensive numbers. And then I think a lot of those bottom of the pack sec teams that are struggling 
are booing the top of the uh, SEC, whereas the Big 12 is so deep that it's hurting the bottom. And that's why I think there's going to be some value on the Big 12 across the board, but especially these teams that aren't necessarily at the top of the Big 12 going up against the SEC. Let's see, Creighton probably really – or your Creighton boys, do you have any thoughts there? I think it's a pretty good spot to get them against Xavier, who's coming off that really big emotional win against UConn. I mean, I still think Xavier has some defensive issues, and Sule Boom, I mean, he just couldn't miss – he hit every big three when they needed it, and that crowd got into it against UConn. Um, I think this is a really good spot to get, to get Creighton, who really – should have, could have easily won that game at Xavier, which went right down to the wire and Xavier kind of uh, pulled away late, but it was really neck and neck, but I think it's a pretty good spot for, for Creighton. Any thoughts there? Yeah. I like a same game parlay there. Take Creighton, take the over. I, I don't think they're going to slow this game down <laughs> against the Xavier defense that, as you mentioned, is more than willing to give up a ton of points. I think what UConn scored almost 50 in the second half. Yeah, their uh, guards have really big – they have guards of defensive issues for Xavier. That's what went right. back in March. So I, I think you can squeeze out a little, you know, plus money by parlaying it together. That would be my angle in that game. Uh, Wake Forest at home might have some – a different defensive team at home against NC State might look there. You want to get real crazy, buy low, sell high, Big 12 SEC, bottom Big 12. I got to put money where my mouth is. Oklahoma at home against Alabama. We'll see where the spread is. But whew, uh, there's some actually some matchup issues – I do like um, Missouri at home against Iowa State. They should be healthy. They they zone, they press, and Iowa State's been poor uh, against both. The Cyclones are shooting over their heads in league play as well. Missouri doesn't turn it over. A lot of good things to like about Missouri. So that's the my one exception of SEC versus Big 12. I'm going to go over in that Arkansas-Baylor yeah. game. Uh, Baylor really, as I mentioned, down the stretch against Kansas, like you could get to the rim anytime that you want. And, you know, Jalen Wilson – is going to be in the running for Big 12 Player of the Year, but he's not exactly the most explosive player off the dribble. And he was just getting right to the 10 whenever he wanted down the stretch, almost carried them all the way back in that game. When you look at what Anthony Black can do out of the point guard position, if he stays out of foul trouble and limits his turnovers a little bit, I think this could be an up and down game. So obviously it's going to depend on the total, but that's just something I had circled as a potential shootout in this non-con matchup. Like that. Um I mentioned I let's get we're gonna get uglier. I mentioned Oklahoma, Alabama. Let's get even uglier than that. Let's go Louisville, who inexplicably oh, didn't cover ooh. against Boston College. They lost by ten, so I'll catch a nine and a half. They're up, I think, double digits and melted down. I think that Louisville might we might get them at a. I mean, they're they basically been unbettable. Um, yeah, they are down now. They're outside the top three hundred in Kempom. That was a big watch in Louisville. Outside the top three hundred, Louisville basketball. That's insane. But they're going to play Notre Dame. They're probably be catching double digits at Notre Dame. Uh, this is a Notre Dame team that cannot defend at all. And here's the thing with – with and they'll run some zone. Louisville's offense has actually been not the worst thing in the world against zone. They've been terrible against man. Look, what, why does Louisville suck so bad? Why? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. But they turn it over on almost every possession. They are 361st in turnover percentage in That's the country. Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you know whose defense is 361st? Notre Dame. So Notre Dame forces zero turnovers. And, and look, they're going to have some athletic advantages at spots here. They can get to the rim a little bit. They're, you know, it's right, well, Notre so Dame's where, not going to get any cutoff? offensive rebounds. Where's um, the cutoff for you here? Do you need 15? Do you need 12? No, it's not going to be that. I, I I would like to get, yeah, I would like to get 12. Um, And Louisville's been like, they're just so inconsistent and they'll just melt down and they've shown some improvement recently, um, like just for stretches and then they'll end up getting blown out. They end up melting down. There's a lot of issues and a lot of them come to turnover. So I'm counting on them not turning it over a ton here against a, a Notre Dame team that just simply won't turn you over. And then another one, if you go, a lot of people always talk about this luck metric on, on Ken Palm, which is basically just looks like the win probability of your games that you won versus the, what you should have won. UNC Asheville is number one by far, which I could have guessed. And last night, guess what they did? They won another game in overtime. They beat Gardner Pember, Webb in overtime. Pember is out of control. Pember single-handedly murdered me in my college fantasy matchup this week. I was like, well, I can close the laptop now. I'm not going to win. The guy is an absolute stat sheet stuffer. He had 48, if you're <laughs> wondering. It's Presbyterian last night. Uh, he is an absolute monster, capable of doing that. He's a Tennessee transfer. And, man, Tennessee, if he was on Tennessee right now, uh, he could fill it up, but this is a team that's been down double digits 
routinely in the second half. And they play Campbell on the road. Campbell, the fight in Campbell's coming off a big road win at high point. This is a Campbell team that was up 18 in the second half at UNC Asheville earlier in January. They're up 18 in the second half and they lost uh, by three. They Their defensive issues schematically are things that that UNC Asheville won't exploit. So I actually like this matchup. They'll, they'll grind this game down. That first game was 58 to 55. Uh, I think Campbell's going to pick off UNC Asheville. Pember's amazing. They're also shooting way over their head. I mean, Asheville's shooting 39% from three in league play, and they're holding opponents at 29%. So there's some shooting regression here. And uh, I think Campbell's going to pick them off. Is it This Asheville team keeps getting down double digits in the second half. They keep coming back. Now, Pember is amazing and can be a part of that but I think their run ends here. So uh, let's go with, let's go with some camels. Um, That's all I got for Saturday. You got anything else you want to. That's it for me. I do wish there was an advanced metric because I I love the logic that you're laying out with Louisville against a Notre Dame defense that is not disruptive. doesn't turn anybody over. I wonder how many unforced turnovers Louisville coughs up per game. You know, the, the alley-oop that goes into the third row or dribbling off your knee. Cause I do think that that comes into play where it's like Notre Dame, just by being folding chairs on the defensive end, does Louisville still turn it over 12 times in this? Yes. They'll still turn it over. They're, they're 363rd in non-steal turnover percentage. It's 363rd. So they're still going to turn it over, but it's just not going to be as frequent. And like, they're going to have an athletic advantage here at certain positions. I think that they'll be able, uh, you know, Notre Dame's not going to get any offensive rebounds. Not that they try. I don't know. It feels like, it feels like this is the spot to get Louisville, but I don't know who is there ever really a spot to get this team outside the top 300. Incredible. But this Notre Dame team also does not defend. Like they're just not a good defensive team. Um, they run some great offense. They don't. They don't turn the ball over as well. That's just the fear here: is that Notre Dame doesn't turn over to Louisville if they are just turning. Like the free possessions are all going to go Notre Dame's way, but might get an inflated number here. We shall see. All right, that's going to do it for us. Make sure. Thanks as always to Mike for joining me. BJ, we'll see you on Monday for the Monday night preview and weekend recap. Thanks to Mister Jim Root, my guy, for joining us and obliging for our tcu addition to the futures portfolio but make sure you subscribe unsubscribe subscribe leave a review uh we'll do giveaways let's do giveaways monday if you leave any reviews this week uh five-star review just say whatever you want and uh those really help us out big bets on campus live we'll be back early february more details to come saturday mornings myself and the guys from the three-man weave make sure you check their episodes out midweek we'll be back on monday as always Good luck this weekend with whatever you bet. Make sure you download the reporting action number cap to follow all of our plays. And we'll see you on Monday. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.